Good morning. Great to be together. So the men had an awesome breakfast yesterday morning. It was very encouraging. Thanks for all your prayers and encouragement. A great bunch of guys came out and it was a very encouraging, building and challenging time for the men. A great lesson from Neil out there. And it's always good for us as men to just bond and challenge one another and be challenged by the Word as well. As you can see there, it says the Holy Spirit, He creates. So this morning we're starting a, another mini-series about what the Holy Spirit actually does, how He works, how He moves, how He actually engineers things towards this purpose. And as we've discussed many times, His ultimate purpose is to point to Jesus and to help us to understand our role in pointing to Jesus and enable that in us. So we'll look at the Holy Spirit from the point of view of one of the works that He does is He creates. And the the passage that kind of starts all of this is in Genesis 1 verse 2. It says there, Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Before we carry on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are truly in awe of you. We're just amazed by who you are and what you do. And and you, Holy Spirit, for just indwelling in, in those who have just given given control over to you through baptism and just really are willing to, to subject ourselves to you and to your guidance and to your transforming wisdom. And I pray, Father, that you will speak through me this morning, that the words will be your words, that we will be moved not by some fancy oration or fancy words, but by your word, Father, which is the Bible, that that is ultimately what catches us, that you, Holy Spirit, will be the one who leaves and speaks through me and convicts us and that's because of the all that we have for the cross, we understand just how vital it is that we truly understand your will and your plan for our lives. Pray and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a question, which is kind of obvious, or should be obvious by now, is when does the Holy Spirit first appear in the Bible? Second verse, right? Genesis 1 verse 2, it's right there. So clearly, if you think about a movie, okay, and you watch a movie, the key characters tend to appear near the beginning of the movie, don't they? You're not going to be half an hour into the movie and the main character suddenly appears on the scene. Well, very rarely does that happen. It might happen, but generally in the first five minutes. So kind of the same thing here in the Bible. Verse 2, Holy Spirit makes an appearance already. And as we said, it says there, Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, if you're like me, you've read this a couple of times. Okay? And it kind of was interesting, but not really that meaningful, so let's get on to what actually happened. But just let's look at what what that verse actually says a little bit. Okay? In the beginning... God had created the heavens and the earth, right? That happened just before this. But at this point, the earth was formless and empty. So there was stuff, but it was kind of just there. You know, there was nothing exciting about it. There was nothing to it. It was, it was still an amazing act of creation. Don't get me wrong, okay? Out of nothing, God created the heavens and the earth. But it hadn't taken any form yet. It hadn't taken any shape. It hadn't taken anything like discernible. 
I don't think it was quite how God envisaged it just yet. And we see the Spirit hovered or brooded, some translations use, over the surface of the waters. Okay, now when you think of brooded, what do you think of? You think of a, a chicken probably as the most fitting analogy, isn't it? Brooding over its eggs either first, then over its little chicks, kind of trying to make sure that everything turns out the way it's supposed to. Isn't it? They're hovering, brooding, watching over things, making sure it works out the way it should. And the same thing is true of the Spirit, right here at the beginning. Hovering over everything, there, wanting to make sure everything works out properly. And usually, where the Spirit is, God's action usually comes quite soon, or God's words usually come quite soon. And in Genesis 1, if we read verse 3, sorry, let me just turn over there. doing things in a new way with no podium or assistance today. So, Genesis 1 verse 3. Okay, well let's read from verse 1. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, we get that. God created everything. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Which is kind of where we are now. And then in verse 3, immediately afterwards, as the Spirit's hovering over the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. So immediately after the Spirit's appearance, God kind of begins His work. So it kind of lends itself to this idea of this, this partnership and this idea that these are the three personalities of God and they're all key and they're all part of this plan. The Spirit is there working and God speaks. Now here's the interesting thing. Don't we often think of the Spirit as the passive one in the Trinity? Of these three persons who are God, isn't the Spirit kind of the passive one? It just kind of, He sits there in the background. He doesn't really act much. And yet here we see Him at the beginning of the creation, kind of enabling things, getting things started, being active at the beginning of God and at the beginning of our story. Really nothing happened in the world as we know it until the Spirit showed up to spur the story. As we can see, the creation of the heavens and earth had happened, but it was sitting there for life to start. As we know it, the Spirit first had to be present. We see that right here. And we'll see that in a couple of scriptures. Genesis 2 verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Psalm 104 verse 30 says, When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. Job 33 verse 4, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Breath of the Almighty, another word for the Spirit, or term rather, Ezekiel 37. So I'm going to put the verse there. Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. Again referring to the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. So what do we see? Right here at the beginning of creation is the Holy Spirit. And He's instrumental in shaping the world according to God's vision. He gave life to our form ultimately. To us standing here through that breath of life that was breathed into Adam. 
and ultimately he kind of started everything. Now remember, this is not diminishing God the Father or God the Son, they're all together, they're all part of God. We don't understand exactly how it works, but our God has three persons. Not personalities, three actual persons. And one day when we get to the, the eternal life and the life after and the restoration of creation, maybe we'll get a chance to ask God exactly how that works. But for now, we just trust that that is the case. So we see all these amazing things and I'm not going to dwell a lot, a lot on old creation here because there's, there's a lot more depth in, in what the Holy Spirit does and you might think that's all cool but that's ancient history, right? That happened a long time ago. It happened at the beginning of the world. It was the start. And we kind of knew this, didn't we? But to understand the life-giving power of the Spirit is a very important foundation for what we actually want to get to this morning. You see, he was the beginning... He was there at the start of creation, the original creation, the old creation if you want to call it that. And he was involved in that. And in the same way he was involved in the new creation. And when we think of new creation, who do we think of most often? We think of Jesus, right? Holy Spirit doesn't pop to the top of our minds when we talk about new creation. Look over here in Luke 1 verse 35. Says the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Because the angel talking to Mary over here. So what happened here? The Holy Spirit came on Mary and she became pregnant and conceived. What do we see here? Another parallel, isn't it? Life started when the Holy Spirit appeared. Jesus' very life within Mary's womb didn't come about until the Holy Spirit was present. Life-giving. The picture of this picture of the Spirit. Look at what it says there towards the end of the verse. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Effectively, the Spirit will overshadow you. Does that conjure up any memories of something we just spoke about? That Spirit brooding over the waters at the beginning of creation. The Spirit here again overshadowing Mary ready to create, ready to start life. So the Holy Spirit was involved in the birth of Jesus. Therefore, He was instrumental in the new creation. Wouldn't you say? When we think of the birth of Jesus, that is the beginning of the new creation. It was the first step in the new creation that we are part of or desire to be part of. The Holy Spirit is actually the thread that runs through all of creation. John 3 verse 5 to 8 says, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from, where it is going, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now clearly here, if you're not sure what that born of water means, that clearly refers to baptism. So you can study that out, that is rock solid, that's not even negotiable or an argument. And that brings about new life in Christ. That whole act of baptism. Romans 8 verse 1 to 4 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. Do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You see, it's that baptism that brings about this new life, this new creation. And again, who's key to this process? The Holy Spirit. He has to be present. He's involved in the new creation. He brings about rebirth, a new creation, just as He brought about the original creation and gives physical life to all living things. He gives new spiritual life to us as we are baptized. So it shouldn't be any surprise that He's involved in baptism. He raises us to new life and indwells His new creation as His new temple, which is us. If we're, once we're baptized, we become the temple of God. Now do you remember what it was like when God created the heavens and earth? Genesis 1 verse 1. Immediately after it says it was what? Remember? Formless and empty. So things were created, but it was formless and empty. That was in the old creation. Now we come along and we have a new creation after baptism and we have this indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But think about the parallel. When you're baptized, are you suddenly Jesus? No. I wish, yeah, Neil, I also wish that was the case for sure. But it's not. And when you're honest with yourself, actually you were formless and empty too. You didn't have a clue. I didn't have a clue. But I wanted to be part of this new creation. I knew it was important that I had to be. But I was formless and empty. And, you know, those of you who know my story can attest to that fact. I would never have been standing up here because I didn't have a clue. I was formless and empty. I was not filled with the things that I needed to be filled with. I wasn't shaped into the form that God wanted me to be in. And I'm still not. I'm most definitely a work in progress. But it was formless and empty. And I have this image in my mind of, of the Holy Spirit sitting there beside God, just brooding and itching to get started. And at the beginning of creation, God created the heavens and the earth, and here's the Holy Spirit coming, come on God, get done now, it's my turn. You know, to kind of give shape and, and give beauty to this vision and kind of take this thing forward. That's just kind of the image in my mind, and I think that's the same thing that happens with us. You know, he so desperately wants to get started with his work of transforming you and I that he just can't wait to get started. So, I imagine him just being so eager to get started at shaping us into the finished article. And just as he was there at the beginning, so the Spirit is the beginning of forming us into the likeness of Jesus. And again, this all happens at baptism. That formless and empty earth. Just imagine for a second that formless and empty earth. Just personify it for a second. You are that formless and empty earth. What are you able to do about being formless and empty? Absolutely nothing. What can you contribute to the process of transforming you into something else? Nothing. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. We so desperately want to be transformed. So similar with us, I beg your pardon 
to transform into the likeness of Jesus. But so often we try and do it ourselves. We think we have the tools to transform ourselves into Jesus. Let me tell you a little secret. We don't. Okay? We are incapable of transforming ourselves into the likeness of Jesus. And that's the realization we have to come to. I actually have nothing to contribute to this grand project. And that's a very humbling thing to realize. But when we're baptized and we have that indwelling of the Holy Spirit, suddenly we have this new ability through Him, not through ourselves, to become transformed into Jesus. Let me tell you another little secret. Me minus the Holy Spirit is not the best guy in the world. Okay? It's a selfish person. It can be an arrogant person. That person is not someone even I like. Okay? So I need the Holy Spirit in me to transform me to enable all of these other things. You see, through baptism, the Spirit is invited in. And we kind of, in a business sense, I suppose, invite Him to become our project manager. But He brings along all the tools and all the resources, and He says, this is how we're going to go about transforming you into the likeness of Christ. Here's the thing about a project manager. Their project only succeeds if whoever is in that team actually does what the project manager wants them to do. Isn't that true? You can have the most resourceful team, you can have the best project manager with the perfect plan. If one or more of those team members don't buy into the project and go off on their own tangent and think they have a better way of doing it, the project's probably not going to turn out as well as you'd like it to. But once we invite him in, once we, through baptism, accept that and submit, which again in our world has become such a negative word, but submission to the Spirit is such an incredible thing. Once we do that, we can start this process and suddenly all sorts of things become possible. Things that are impossible for us. Suddenly grace is possible. Through our sin, we can be forgiven. We can repent. We can have true godly sorrow. Forgiveness is possible. Not only our forgiveness by God, but our forgiveness of each other. How hard is that without the Spirit in us? Love is possible. True agape, sacrificial love. We have hurt sometimes, but we make those sacrifices because that's the Christ-like love that we want to have. And ultimately, through this power of the Spirit, saving the world is possible. Daunting task, isn't it? Surely we can't save the world. And you're right, we can't. But He can. And He uses us as that instrument to do that. And only because He creates, and He's busy creating in us, and He forms us into who and what we need to be. Nothing happens until that moment until we're willing to submit, until we're baptized and receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that's when it truly happens. That's when we can start this process. That's where transformation and growth can happen. And we stop being formless and empty. You know, we're all in various stages in our our walk with God, in our kind of this long journey that will take the rest of our lives. You may still be seeking and you haven't completed your journey 
we haven't really submitted to to the Holy Spirit and been baptized yet. If that's you, don't feel helpless or hopeless. The Holy Spirit can't wait to get started in working in you, transforming you, shaping you into what God has envisaged. And trust me, your wildest dreams can't compare to God's vision for your life and His plan for your life. Into the amazing person you can be in Christ through the Spirit. Don't wait. You know, if you're younger maybe, teens and, and the younger adults in our, in our family, trust the work that the Spirit's doing in you. Even when He seems to be transforming you into something or someone that you didn't think you would be. And that can happen. The Spirit leads us down paths that are very different to our life plan. Isn't it? It could look nothing like what you expected or even what you thought you wanted. It could be way different. Submit to that. Go along with it. He's got the perfect vision. You don't. You might be older. You might be, haven't been around for a while. You know, and the Spirit started His transforming work and He shaped you into something and now you've gotten to a point but you kind of become a stumbling block now because it's, it's a little bit harder. Maybe all the easy work's been done already. All the easy transformations have happened. The quick wins, the low-hanging fruit, all of those terms we use, that's gone now. And now it's a little bit harder. The next step is a little bit harder. And we go like, ah, you know what, Holy Spirit, I'm okay where I am now. You know, I'm way better than I was. I mean, look at me. Do I really need to go over the rest of this way? And that's often where we can be because we get kind of comfortable, don't we? We kind of feel like, oh, you know what? It's awesome what you've done, God. You can stop there. Because the next step is really hard. It's going to take us being very uncomfortable. It might even take a little bit of pain and suffering emotionally, maybe even physically, though hopefully not. And we kind of stop and we say, you know what, I'm kind of okay here. And then we stagnate. And we don't grow and we don't transform anymore. And in the end we kind of regress a little bit, don't we? We end up going back to those old patterns. Because if we're not consistently allowing Him to transform us, then something is transforming us. Here's another little thing I've realized that if the Spirit's not transforming me, something is. And if it's not the Spirit, then it's not something good that's transforming me. That other thing that's transforming me is probably the world, it's probably selfishness, it's probably my own sinful desires, and I don't like where that path leads. But if I don't keep my eye on the Spirit, and keep myself in tune with Him, and allow Him to lead me to those difficult places, then the world is going to transform me. So what is that thing that is uncomfortable for you? Where have you drawn the line and said, Holy Spirit, just take me over here and I'm cool, but over there looks too scary. No, thank you. He wants to create, but He doesn't stop creating. He wants to keep on transforming us. He will only stop when you and I look perfectly like Christ. And I'm 
100% certain for me that's not going to happen in this lifetime. I will do my best to make it happen in this lifetime and I will allow him to work as much as he can but I will make every effort ultimately, I mean, maybe in the age to come then I will ultimately understand and really see things. But right now I just need to submit to that. So wherever you are in your life I urge you to don't keep him waiting. He's chomping at the bit. He's eager to get started on Project Jason or Project Puda or whoever. He wants to keep on doing that. He wants to create something amazing. And we have evidence of that all throughout our fellowship. We can, most of us, can look in the mirror and see the amazing transformation that he's already worked. Imagine how much more he still wants to do. Most, if not all of us, would probably tell you a similar story to me, that you minus the Spirit, not the best person in the world. We'd be a lot less loving, a lot less caring, a lot less sacrificial if we're honest with ourselves. If the Spirit wasn't creating the new me, He was there for the old creation, and He's right there, right now, for the new. And that's really exciting, isn't it? We sit there and we think, how ever am I going to be more like Jesus? And the Holy Spirit thing? I'm here, I want to help you do that. Just listen to me. Be in tune with me. And even when you don't like what I'm saying, listen to me and go out and do it. So he was there in old creation, he was there in the new creation, and ultimately he will be there for the resurrection. The resurrection is Obviously the ultimate creation, new creation, milestone or event. It is the thing that all of creation ultimately looks forward to when everything will be restored and put into the order that God wants it. His vision will finally come fully into fruition. First Peter 3 verse 18. Let me turn over there. I may not have put that slide up there. Oh, there we go. I did. 1 Peter 3 verse 18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit raises Jesus from the dead. Remember when we learned, and we did some studies on this, when he was on earth, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. Okay, so when he died on the cross, he actually died. So he didn't have the power right then and there to raise himself from the dead, but the Holy Spirit did. The Holy Spirit brought Jesus back from the dead. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20, it says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. It's the first fruits of the faithful who have died and been resurrected. What does that imply for us? We have that same promise, don't we? Jesus is the prototype and the guarantee that all believers will be raised to life after death in the same way. Ultimate act of new creation, the resurrection, is brought about by the Holy Spirit. God's final calling forth of His people through the, through the resurrection will be enabled by the Holy Spirit. So our key is the thread right from the beginning all the way to the end. 
He's there at the beginning, he's here now, and he'll be there at the very end. Because he creates. He is the key to life. We know that we can't see the Holy Spirit. And that often results in us viewing him as being quite passion. Um, passion. He is passionate, but passive. Okay, we see him that way because we don't have stories of his life as such. But we see him interwoven throughout the story of the Old and the New Testament. And yet we see here that he is in fact very active and at work and has been from the very beginning. Because he works continually in many ways. And today we've just had a little glimpse of how he creates. And he works in many other ways. The old creation, the new creation and ultimately the resurrection. And the key to all of that for us is giving him that permission to start that work of creation in us. See, here's the other thing. He'll never force us to allow that. Okay? That's just how God works. He could. The Holy Spirit is part of God. He could force us to just transform. But He doesn't work that way. He waits eagerly eagerly for us to enter the waters of baptism. And even once we have, to continually submit to Him and allow Him to transform us. He wants to start that work. He wants to continue that work. He wants to transform us from the broken creatures that we are into the image of Jesus, reflecting God's glory and playing an active role in restoring His creation. What an incredible opportunity. Imagine that. God wants you and I to play a part in His mission. He could just say, boom, creation sorted, everything's fine. But he allows us to play a part in that. Allows us to get that sense of achievement, I guess. Sense of partnering with the creator of everything. What an amazing God we serve. So my question, and I've alluded to this is before, three different questions, depending on where you are. And I've kind of mentioned this, but I want you to, just to stay with you as we, as we conclude. And this is what I challenge you to to think about and meditate on and pray about this week. If you've not been baptized yet, what's holding you back from giving them that license to start transforming your life? From what if you're honest with yourself is formless and empty into the glorious creation God intended you to be? If you're a young disciple who's recently baptized, are you resisting who he's transforming you into? I mentioned this before. Is he asking you to perform a role or roles that you didn't see yourself performing? That's not what I thought I'd be doing. Is it a role that's beneath me? Or is it one that's too hard for me? Or one that makes me very uncomfortable? So I'm shying away from that? Waiting and hoping that he gives me something easier? Don't shy away from the role that he has chosen for you and who he is transforming you into. Because that's God's perfect vision. If you've been a disciple for a longer time, as I mentioned earlier, ask yourself, have you started getting in the way of his work? Because the easy winds are gone and what lies ahead is harder and more uncomfortable. Have you stopped because you feel like you're okay where you're at? But not really because you're okay where you're at, mostly because there looks uncomfortable. Have you started doing that? See, the Holy Spirit creates 
And what he creates is incredible, beautiful, amazing and powerful. A reflection of God's glory. Let's not allow anything to stop us from making that as easy and effective as possible in our own hearts and in our own lives. Because if we're honest with ourselves, that's the only way we'll ever truly have life to the full. And that's ultimately what He wants us to have through Jesus, through transforming the world, living life and life to the full. Maybe not as we saw it, maybe not as we imagined it, but the truest form of life to the full, through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, through what He tells us, through how He helps us, through how He moves in us, ultimately through how He creates. Amen. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we are just truly in awe of how you work in us, how you tirelessly strive to to give us life to the full, to help us to be more like Jesus, to transform us from wretched, sinful beings that are formless and empty into this wonderful, beautiful vision that God has had for our lives and still has for our lives. I pray that as we, we look into ourselves that we'll truly be We'll be honest, we'll be humble, that we'll even just ask those who love us where we've drawn the line and how we are stopping you, Holy Spirit, from creating the person that we should be. I pray that we'll just have the courage to do that. I pray we'll be excited about it. It might sound daunting, Father, but but it's so exciting that you've given us your Spirit that we can do this. Because on our own we are incapable. Pray we'll be excited that this transforming power will start in ourselves and through that we truly will transform the world as, as you desire for us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.